Just take a look a second. This is nice. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. So I wasn't planning on saying this, but I'm I'm just going to get it off my chest right now because a few of you have uh, been asking as I've been wandering around bumping into you. So how do you like the place? You know, you got some new paint on the walls. I went into the fellowship space and saw what you've done in there. Obviously, we're in here. And let me just say, I love what you've done with the place, with the exception of one thing. Can I just name that right now? Bob, will you show everybody that atrocious mug that you had sitting up here on the front? Look at that thing. Like, I have no recommendations for the decoration of this space other than removing that mug from the worship space from here on out. Sorry, but I had to. You had it right there in front of me. I had to. So uh, yesterday, uh, late morning, Josie and I were outside. If you don't know Josie, she's our youngest daughter. We were outside playing a little a little catch before lunchtime, and uh, we came back inside. I saw I had a text, and it was from Allison. And those are ones that I take note of because they're not a ton anymore, right? But I take note of it, and I see that, and it says, Yo, um, uh, you preaching tomorrow? And I think you were asking kind of in jest, assuming that I probably was preaching, and I thought, you know what, I'm not. So I ran downstairs and said, Hey, Bets, wanna, can we go to Hope tomorrow? And she's like, Don't you have to be at Thornapple tomorrow? Um, and so, but I wasn't preaching this morning, and so, uh, so, so grateful uh, that we can worship with you on the second Sunday uh, in the season of Easter together. And so we're going to do that by hearing God's word from what Kevin was planning on preaching uh, from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. Uh, before we hear that word, let's come before God in prayer. God, may your word be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen one, be our single concern. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's listen together for the good news. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for the fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them, And he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, 
you may have life in his name. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to Almighty God. So most Sundays, I've got a pretty good idea of what's going on in in the life of the congregation that I'm worshiping with because we've been doing life together over the past week or two weeks or month or whatever. I can't say the same thing today because I haven't preached in this space on a Sunday morning in almost five years. And I'm not a mind reader, so I don't really have a clue what's, what's going on in your lives and I can't find my way into your souls, so I don't know how exactly you're showing up here this morning. But, if we're anything like the rest of the people who live in this world, some of us probably brought fear along with us this morning, or maybe we're toting around a little bit of disappointment or discouragement in our lives. It's only human to, to be afraid and to be discouraged and distraught from time to time because we live rather complex lives in a rather complex world. And there's a lot of things going around all around us that cause us to get all caught up in fear and discouragement. The the disciples sure did. It was evening on that first Sunday, and ten of Jesus' disciples were just hiding out. They were hunkering down. They were in the upper room. It was the same upper room that they gathered with, with Jesus just a couple days before. They were hanging out with Jesus in the upper room as He washed their feet as a sign of what was going to happen the next day. They didn't really understand that fully yet, but Jesus was giving them a sign in that moment. And then He broke bread with them in the Passover celebration. And after He broke bread with them, they they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives where things just kind of cascaded from that point. Things became out of control in their life. And we're told that at the end of that praying in the garden, all of Jesus' disciples fled away from Him after Christ was arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin. They had deserted Him just a couple days earlier. Now they were back in that same room where it all began that day. This time the the shades were drawn. This time the, the doors were closed and they were locked up tight. They were all cooped up. And in their case, they weren't physically distancing themselves from each other to protect themselves from some kind of virus. They were hiding from a different sort of threat. The disciples were worried about the Jewish leaders now coming for them, just like they had done a couple days earlier. They got to Jesus on Friday, and maybe they were next on the temple's most wanted list. They, they lost their breath every single time there was a knock at the door. Every time they heard the pitter-patter of footsteps outside the upper room, a, a, a tingle was sent down their spine in fear. Fear caused those ten disciples to to huddle in that upper room for protection. They had heard the news. I mean, it had only probably been like six, seven, eight hours or so since the women who had went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body that morning now came back to the tomb. They came back to to the tomb to anoint His body, and they had heard what the women found there. They found a, a stone had been rolled away, and there was an angel sitting inside there and telling them that Jesus, who was crucified on Friday, was now resurrected from the dead, and they were supposed to run ahead and tell His disciples all about what happened. They did all that. They, they went and told the disciples. The disciples knew the good news. They knew that Jesus was alive, at least according to the women. But... I don't think they really knew what that meant. I mean, I don't think they could know what that meant. The rules of the universe 
had sort of changed in the past couple of hours. Death no longer had the final say, but, but in their experience, they, they still didn't know what to expect next from Jesus. Yeah, they had heard the news. They knew what was going on, at least according to the women, but they still went into that upper room and they pulled the shades down tight and they shut the door and then they locked it behind them because they were living in fear still. You know, that's possible. It's possible to know the good news. It's possible to know the good news that Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive and he's no longer in the tomb, that death has been reversed. It's very possible to to know that good news way down inside and still be afraid in this world. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness of people who know that Jesus has been raised from the dead and you come in here Sunday after Sunday, whether in this space or hanging out online in your home, and you believe in your hearts that Jesus is raised from the dead, but then Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday they all come and you're still afraid of something? I know Christians who live in fear and in constant dread. And our fears are not to be taken lightly. The threat of a layoff, the loss of a job, the atrophy of retirement accounts, the fragility of our health when it comes to aging and illness, and the uncertainty of when things are finally going to get certain again. I mean, we haven't been doing life together really the past 13 months, but I know what your 13 months have looked like, right? They've looked very similar to what they look like in Grand Rapids and that they look like across Michigan and what they look like across the nation and what they look like across the globe. It's been a tough 13 months. I had a friend in college who was a follower of Jesus who lived in the fear of disappointing his dad all the time. His dad was a Ph.D. in psychology. He hardly had to study a day to get a 4.0 in undergrad. But my friend had to work day in and day out just to stay off the academic probation list. I can remember our, I think it was our sophomore year, the first semester, when my friend's grades were slipping a little bit because he ran into those upper-level classes that he couldn't fake his way through anymore, and his fear was climbing every day as the semester went along. It got so bad that spring that he stayed behind the closed doors of our dorm in Grand Rapids instead of going home to Pennsylvania for spring break because he was afraid to tell his dad how the semester was going. He was in a fearful prison that he had constructed for himself, right? He had a dad who loved him. He had a dad who would accept him. And eventually this all came out and he fully did. But he had constructed this sort of prison for himself. He believed because he believed. I know he believed because we talked about his belief. And I worshiped with him on Sunday mornings. He believed the good news. He believed the good news that he had heard from pulpits time and time again that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. But he still was living in that prison of fear. How about your fears? Do they keep showing up? Did they show up maybe even since last week's Sunday when Pastor Kevin preached the good news that Jesus Christ is risen, that He has defeated death, that the rules of the universe have actually been changed, that death no longer has final say over our lives? I, I imagine He preached that good news. I preached that good news. And they, that good was, news was preached across Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids and the state of Michigan and the country of the United States and across the globe. The good news, you said it here, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And we believe that good news when we leave this place. And yet, we keep constructing these, these personal prisons of fear for ourselves that we get caught up in time and time again. So, 
What made you lose your breath this week? What made your spine tingle with fear this week? Sometimes we, like the disciples, live like the stone is still standing in front of Jesus' tomb. We don't believe it is. We believe that that stone has been rolled away. and We believe the good news that the One who is crucified is not there anymore, but has risen from the dead and then 40 days later ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And He's coming again to judge the living and the dead. We believe all of that good news and thanks be to God we believe in that good news. But between believing in that good news and the consummation of things when Christ returns, we still build these personal prisons of fear for ourselves. And Jesus knew that. And so Jesus didn't just rise from the dead, but He rose from the dead and then presented Himself to His disciples. He, he shows up in our prisons of fear. At least He did for the disciples. Suddenly, on that first day of the week, the same day the good news reached them that Jesus was alive, He stepped in to that upper room again. I'm so glad that it happened in that upper room again for them. Such an important room that they had together where Jesus washed feet, where they celebrated Passover, where they sang the Passover hymns together, the place that they hid out when they fled from Jesus and they were feeling all the shame and all the guilt and now all the fear now that Jesus had been raised from the dead. It's an important room for them. These prisons that we build for ourselves are important rooms for us too. They're probably the rooms that Jesus has the most access to in our lives because Jesus longs to come into these prisons that we build for ourselves to free us from them and then to transform us out of them. When Jesus showed up in that upper room, He was still wounded. You could touch His side. You could put your hand there. You could see the nail marks on His hands and His feet. But He was very much alive. The question is, is was He upset with them? He had every right to be ticked off at them. After all, just four days earlier, they had deserted Him to die on His own. He had every right to storm into that room and heap layer upon layer of shame upon them, building more fear into their life. But He didn't do that. Instead, He simply spoke one Hebrew word, Shalom, peace be with you. On the spot, without them even asking for it, Jesus forgave them. The risen Lord broke into their personal prisons to fear them, to free them from their fear. He gave them back their lives. To borrow the Apostle Paul's words, nothing now, maybe they were going to start to believe this, nothing now could separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus their Lord. Not life, not death, not angels, not rulers, not things present, not things to come, not height nor depth, not anything in all of creation was ever going to be able to separate them from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus their Lord. Brothers and sisters, in our fears, in our anxieties, in our confusions, in our disappointments, the risen Christ stands with us. He stands with us. He doesn't just rise from the grave. He doesn't just come out of His personal prison of death, but Jesus comes out of His personal prison of death to find us in ours. That's what He said He would do. In all of our troubles, whether personal or familial or communal or global, the risen Christ stands with us. The Lord comes behind our closed doors 
that we do such a good job of going inside of and shutting the door and then locking it behind us. And He longs to bring us peace in those places. Nourishing our bodies and souls so that we might withstand all of our fears no matter what they are. So Jesus wanted to make sure they heard what He said to them. So He said it a second time. Whenever Jesus repeats Himself, pay attention. Pay attention when Jesus repeats Himself. When, when the Bible repeats the Bible self, there's something that can't be missed here. And what the disciples couldn't miss here is a very simple message. Shalom. Peace be with you. And then He added on the second time He said it to them. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Not only did the risen Christ come behind closed doors to forgive them, He also had something else in store for them. He wanted to free them from their personal prisons, not just for themselves. I mean, absolutely He wants that. He, maybe you sang it last week. He tore the bars away, you know, that great resurrection hymn. He tore the bars away and He comes out of the grave. He's no longer captive to death. He didn't just tear the bars away for Himself. He tore the bars away for you. He tore the bars away for you and me so that we might live forever. But guess what? He doesn't just tear the bars away from Him and from you for your sakes. He does it for everybody's sake. He tears the bars away so that you can leave your personal prisons of fear and you can go to those places where others are locked up in fear and in disappointment. As the Father has sent me, so I... Am sending you. The Father was sent, the Father sent Jesus into this world to save us from our sins on the cross and to assure us of eternal life in the empty tomb. But he also sent Jesus into this world to break into our personal prisons of fear that we do such a good job of dwelling in in this world, so that he might set us free from them, so that we can leave those spaces, not just when Jesus Christ comes again but so that we can leave them tomorrow on Monday, so we can leave them on Wednesday evening, so we can leave them on Saturday afternoon, so that we can leave them and find our way into the lives of others who need to be set free from their personal prisons as well. For John, the writer of the fourth gospel, Jesus didn't waste any time commissioning the disciples. Luke kind of waits a while. He's the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and then he waits a while for the Pentecost story, right? The Pentecost story in Acts chapter 2. But John can't wait to get there. John's Pentecost happens right here in that upper room where Jesus breathes on them the Holy Spirit and sent them out. You see the irony in all this? I mean, in one single breath, the disciples went from fearful followers to fearless missionaries. It's amazing what the risen Christ can do behind closed doors. We don't even need to let Him in. We don't even need to open the door for Jesus. He just comes into our personal prisons and His Holy Spirit communicates truth to us in ways that we could never come up with on our own. This is another sort of resurrection story. There were two resurrection stories on Easter morning. The big one, where Jesus breaks free of the grave, and then this one, where Jesus breaks into this upper room to remind the disciples, just like he had been telling them for the past three years, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. He said it time and time again, but they needed one more lesson. And this time Jesus says, peace be with you a couple times. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
Just like the Father raised Jesus from the dead in the stone-sealed tomb, now Jesus raises His disciples back to life behind the doors of that closed room. Living in constant fear is no way to live the life that God intends for us to live. But we are so good at building personal prisons of fear. Fear imprisons our souls and holds us captive to the captivity of the evil one day in and day out. But remember the good news. Jesus tore the bars away. He tore the bars away so that you can have eternal life, but He also tore the bars away that you can begin to have eternal life right now. So that you can be free of the fear that stalks us day in and day out. Like I said at the beginning of this message, I have no idea how you're showing up here this morning. I haven't been here in a while and I'm no mind reader. I don't know exactly how all of us came here this morning to worship, but I do know this. We all live rather complex lives in a rather complex world. There's a lot of stuff going on that's trying to cause us to be afraid all the time, and the devil's really good at using that stuff. The devil knows our weaknesses, and he'll use it day in and day out to tempt us to go down that road of fear. But just so you know, the risen Lord is breaking in behind these closed doors. He'll break in, whether it's in our home. He's like a thief in the night. You never know when he's going to show up. He's breaking in behind closed doors of our hearts and minds. He's got something to say to us. He's not going to heap shame on us. That's not how it works with Jesus. When we mess it up and we name our mess-ups, Jesus is going to forgive us. Even when we don't even ask for it, He's going to give it to us. Instead, it sounds like this. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. In these words, Jesus forgives us and sets us free from whatever we're most afraid of, from whatever little prisons we've made for ourselves, from the dread of living alone to worrying about making the next mortgage payment, from the disappointment of failure to the scare of cancer. Friends, Jesus wants us to know He lives. It's the only truth that can set us free. The presence of the risen Christ changes His followers like you and me on the spot. We may not get to put our hands in His side and see His nail-scarred hands yet until He comes again to bring us home forever. But He gives us something even more powerful, He said. He gives us His Holy Spirit who goes with us on Monday and Wednesday and Saturday to communicate to us His risen presence in our lives. So, what personal prisons have you built? What personal prisons do you need to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and speak, peace be with you? I encourage you to do so this morning so that on Monday and Wednesday and Saturday you're ready to not be contained by that prison. And then, where is Jesus calling you to go? Who do you know that needs to be set free from fear? Who do you know that needs to be released from the prisons that they've built for themselves and speak a gentle, kind word of Jesus to? Friends, we're good at this. We're, We're good at building these prisons. I know I'm really good at building these prisons for myself, and the walls become sometimes seemingly insurmountable. But when we gather together, And we hear the good news week in and week out. And we do need to hear it week in and week out, whether online or in person, because we forget about it really, really quick. Jesus Christ is risen. He's risen to give you eternal life. He's risen to break you out of your personal prisons of fear right now. And He's risen to send you to someone who needs to be rescued from their own. Do it all in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thanks for the good news that's proclaimed from this pulpit 
and in this space week in and week out and across this state, across this country, and across this world, it's a desperately needed message that you are alive. Help us to receive it, and in receiving it, receive your peace, and then to take that shalom with us into our lives this week. So may it be to your honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.